Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's the last day of March, and the clocks have done that springing forward thing that they do, robbing us all of an hour's sleep. That is an hour's sleep that you will not get back now till October. And you know, you could have chosen to stay in bed, but you made the effort to be here with all of us at Essex Church in our Kensington Unitarians community, a community created by all who walk through our doors. And um, I think we can expect that a few people may be delayed today. And because our monthly theme has been forgiveness and redemption, I want you... <laughs> I want you to be even kinder than you usually are to anybody who's late today. Don't mention it to them. It, we've been working with forgiveness and redemption, but in a Unitarian congregation like ours, nobody will tell you what to think, what to believe, how to behave even. Except we want you to be nice to each other. But, but together we, we create spaces here in which to explore, to, to go a bit deeper, to, to think new thoughts and um, consider new perspectives. So I hope our time together today is fruitful for you and brings you that of which you are most in need. A rest, perhaps? A chance for forgiveness? A, an, an opportunity to, to think new thoughts or explore new ideas, or maybe to feel some comfort or some challenge. Let's, let's take a moment now to take a conscious breath, and, and as we breathe out, let's know that we truly are here in the present moment. Breathing in, breathing out. And if you wish, you might want to check how you are at this moment. Your body, your thoughts, your feelings. And however we are, I suggest let's open ourselves to the possibility of change, of some transformation just by being here this morning. Our chalice flame is lit, it's connecting us with progressive religious communities the world over. May its warmth bring us a sense of togetherness. May its light illuminate our thinking. And, and may its sacred spark remind us of the indwelling spirit of life and love residing in all our hearts. Welcome, welcome to you all. You are never going to believe how I got this bowl of grapes. They are really sweet and delicious. And um, yeah, well, let me tell you how they came to be. I've only heard this story in retrospect, but apparently a really poor peasant farmer 
knocked on the big wooden door of a monastery one day and he was greeted as always by the smiling face of, of the young monk that worked on the door and the peasant reached into his basket and brought out a beautiful big bunch of grapes. Oh, these are wonderful, said the monk. I'm sure the, the abbot will really enjoy these grapes. Oh no, they're not for the abbot, said the farmer. They're for you. Why me? asked the monk. Because do, during all the drought and trouble of last year, you always opened this door for me with a smile. And now our crops have succeeded and I'd like to reward you. So thanking him, the, the monk took the grapes to his cell and stared at them. These are too good and special for me. I know, I'm going to give them to Brother Thomas, who's ill in the infirmary. These will cheer him up. So Brother Thomas was all smiles when he received the grapes, thanked the monk profusely, and then after the young monk left, he, he began to think. He really knew he ought to be thanking the apothecary who'd made the medicines that were helping him get better, better from his long illness. So that's what he did. He gave the grapes to the apothecary. And the apothecary was delighted with the gift, but then decided to give them to the abbot, who really did deserve a gift for working so hard for them all. The abbot thanked the apothecary and then looked at the grapes and decided he couldn't possibly have them. No, he decided to give them to the young novice who just arrived and was missing his family called the young man, gave him the grapes. Well, that young novice was so overwhelmed by the abbot's generosity. Those grapes were so large and so beautiful and he could tell just from looking at them how juicy they were. And then he thought of the poor living in the nearby village and he made up his mind to give a gift to the first person he met. And who did he meet? <laughs> he met the peasant farmer who'd grown them in the first place. And this is where I come into this story because I was out walking in the park yesterday and uh, this, this farmer came up to me with a great smile on his face and said, now you look like somebody who really would know what to do with a bowl of grapes. Could you take them to your church tomorrow morning and ask people to eat them? And that's just what I did. And our mother promised to take they might be enough for everybody They're later seedless. on. They're seedless. <laughs> <laughs> They're good, aren't they? So thank you to that farmer. And I'm not sure if the young people are going downstairs for a little project of their own. And we will see you later, alligators. And um, we're moving into a time of reflection and prayer. All this month we've been speaking together um, reworkings of what's sometimes known as the Lord's Prayer, the Prayer of Jesus. Uh, um, you'll find a version of this on this green little sheet. Um, it starts with the Aramaic words for Father, Mother, Abba, Amma. And do join in if you wish. Abba, Amma, source from whom I came. I reverence your name, your child indeed. I pray you to meet my need from your bountiful store. 
neither less nor more. I confess my greed, the way I feed my desires, which then inflate my need, blotting out care of the self and awareness of the other, my sister, father, mother, brother. Out of the largesse of your grace, give us all a place at your overflowing table. Feed us that we may become able to quieten our own hungers, attend to others, both near ones and strangers. May we so linger in love at your banquet, no hurry to move, until we are filled with your joy rising within and between us, pure, unalloyed. And with that joy lingering in our hearts, I invite you to turn, to turn your attention in thought and prayer to the places and people in our world where joy may be hard to find this day. Those who are struggling in poverty here in our very own country. Those those dealing with the, the aftermath of the cyclone today, especially people in the coastal areas of Mozambique, many of whom have having lost their homes and their livelihoods. And the people of the Yemen and Syria, where civil war has caused such damage such heartache. Let us pray that all those in positions of leadership in our world commit themselves to governing for the greater good of all. That they might be blessed with clear vision. That they might understand the effects of their decisions on ordinary people, on hidden people, on the most vulnerable in any society. And in a few shared moments of quiet now, I invite you to direct your own care and concern to people and places that you know to be in need this day. And may your care and your concern and your willingness to share what you have make a difference this day and all days. Amen. Mothers of all kinds, in this meditative piece, Maureen Killoran considers the many versions of mothers and mothering that exist in our world the stereotypes and the realities. And she reminds us that nurturing is a task for us all. Let us tell of warm mothers, soft, round, likely to be found with flour on their nose, 
and always ready to pour you a glass of milk to go with your biscuits on your plate. These mothers are increasingly rare. Let us tell of mothers who are like bubbles of champagne. They surprise your senses, leave you giggly, but when you least expect it, they erupt with an unexpected pop. Stories that could be true. Then there are grouchy mothers, stressed mothers, exhausted mothers, faces, faces lined with worry and spirits tired and grey. Other mothers are wise and reliable, not prone to many words or a lot of noise, but you know that when you need them, they'll be there. Let us tell of fierce mothers, the ones who love you even when you're wrong. Let us tell of absent mothers whose memory shimmers at the edges of your heart. Let us tell of distant mothers, cruel mothers, loving mothers, giving mothers. There are walk-away mothers, save-the-world mothers, too busy mothers, mothers you cry because you lost them, and mothers who make you cry because you can't. Other stories that could be true. May we hold in our hearts the mothers we have known, those who loved us, those who tried. May we forgive the mothers who didn't get it right and try to release the knots of disappointment, anger, grief, pain. May we hold in our hearts the truth that mothering, nurturing, is a task that belongs to us all. However old or young you are, whatever your gender, may you make an extra room in your life this week, both for giving and receiving, nurturing. May you say something real to the tired shop assistant, give someone a genuine compliment. Take the time needed to listen deeply to a friend who needs to be listened to. As we listen to the music now, perhaps we will remember and reflect and create anew the stories of love and nurture, stories that can be true.
let's take the beauty of Johann Sebastian Bach's uh, music, so beautifully played by Abby, into our quiet time now. We can take some gentle, stilling breaths, knowing that the, the air that we breathe connects us with all living beings. One existence here on Earth. So do whatever helps you to relax into stillness for a while. Perhaps soften your gaze or close your eyes. Whatever helps you to turn your attention inwards. Aware perhaps of your feet on the floor, resting upon our Mother Earth, our planet home. And as we move into a couple of minutes shared stillness and quiet together, I invite you, if you wish, to consider those who have cared for you in life, those whose love has nurtured and sustained you. Or choose another aspect of life for which you feel grateful this day. And our stillness will end with a chime from our bell in a few minutes. So um, to complete our monthly theme of forgiveness and redemption, it seemed important to tell you about the work of the, what's known as the Forgiveness Project, which was founded by a journalist, uh, Marina Cantacuzino, in 2004. The project collects and shares stories from individuals and communities who have rebuilt their lives following hurt and trauma. They, and I'm quoting here, provide resources and experiences to help people examine and overcome their own unresolved grievances. The testimonies we collect bear witness to the resilience of the human spirit, the resilience of the human spirit, and act as a powerful antidote to narratives of hate and dehumanization presenting alternatives to cycles of conflict, violence, crime, and injustice." End of quote. Now, I, I knew of the Forgiveness Project because at one time in my life, I had to do a great deal of work on forgiving people who'd hurt me. A bit more of that later. And at, at the heart of, of the Forgiveness Project, is an understanding that, that what they describe as restorative narratives have the power to transform lives and not just the lives of people involved. 
The project co collects examples from around the world, from people who've done terrible things and from people who've had terrible things done to them. And their accounts of their long journeys towards understanding of self and others are very inspirational. So um, the first thing I really knew about the Forgiveness Project was through their exhibition, which is called The F Word. And we actually hosted the exhibition here at uh, Essex Church in 2012, and we held a series of events on this theme of forgiveness. If you, if you didn't get a chance to see the exhibition here, well, it gets shown in, in places uh, from time to time. Um, and maybe it's something we'd like to host again at some point. Um, those of you who have seen it will know that it's a collection of images, photographs, and personal stories from people in places like South Africa, America, Palestine and Israel, Northern Ireland and England. It, it's really worth reading those stories. You can also read these accounts on their website. And um, Marina Cantacuzino published a book, which I've got here, and I'm very happy to lend out. Um, a few years ago, this was published. It's called The Forgiveness Project, Stories for a Vengeful Age. As well as their exhibition, the Forgiveness Project holds public lectures and courses. They've developed some very usable resources for teachers of teenagers, and they run an intensive programme in prisons called Restore. This programme invites people who have been wronged and who are prepared to tell the story of what happened to them to help prisoners then tell their own stories both of the wrongs that they've committed and also of the ways that they themselves have been harmed in life. Because we know, don't we, that it's nearly always, not always, but nearly always the case that people who do terrible things in life have often had terrible things done to them. There is a cycle of violence in our world and anything that we can do to replace hatred with love will, I believe, strengthen another cycle. That's one of love and understanding, a cycle that recognises the common humanity we share and helps us develop the empathy that Michaela was talking about earlier. Now, one of the speakers who joined us here at Essex Church when we hosted the Forgiveness Project exhibition was Marion Partington, a Quaker, who, in a very moving afternoon's workshop, told us of her younger sister Lucy, who disappeared without trace in 1973, aged 21. Some 20 years later, Marion and her family were told that Lucy had been murdered by Frederick and Rosemary West. And for Marion, this was the start of a profound process, a journey a journey towards healing. She described it as healing for herself and also a healing and a reclaiming of her sister's memory, which really did make sense to us when she described that to her, us. Um, it's a story that she tells in her book. This is not a, a book for the faint-hearted, but it's so beautifully written. Uh, the book is called If You Sit Very Still. And it's a story she's told to um, 
prisoners as part of the Restore programme. Marion still has a beautiful little woolen bag that her sister Lucy made when she was eight out of sheep's wool that they picked up in the fields around their house. And um, as Marion tells this story in, in workshops, she invites people to hold the little woolen bag and slowly pass it round. It's such a simple but tangible thing to do. And it does restore. It, it restores her dead sister's memory as a living, laughing, creative being filled with potential. And it also restores the shared humanity of all those who listen, who, who bear witness to their own struggles in life, their own wrongdoings and the wrongs that have been done to them. Because there are always stories to be told, aren't there? And it's better to allow them into the light of day when we're ready, rather than keeping them locked away. Now, not all of us have such difficult life issues to work through as people like Marion Partington. But most of us don't get through this life without some wrongs being committed, either by us or upon us, and probably both. So I wonder what your life journey with wrongdoing is. It's strange to think, isn't it? Just looking around at one another. Each of us here with, with probably so many stories to tell. At one, at one point in my life, I was pushed to an emotional edge where I wondered at the time if I would recover from it or just simply tumble over. My marriage was ending. I was struggling, really struggling with adopted teenagers. And a friend suggested that I read this book called The Lost Art of Forgiving. I credit the, the picture on the cover with inspiring me to keep going in life and to work through what had happened. Now, it's, it's on the front of this book is a picture, a photo taken in Vietnam in 1972. I remember seeing this photo when I was a teenager. It appeared in in most of the papers at the time, and it's credited with being one of a number of photos that so brought the reality of the Vietnam War and its horrors to public attention that it contributed to the end of that ghastly conflict. The photo, if you don't know it, shows a small, naked, sobbing child running down a road with a dark, clouded sky behind her and soldiers. An American helicopter has just dropped a napalm bomb on her village and she is running to escape, her body badly burned. Then on here at the front there's a little inserted photo, shows that girl as a woman now, standing next to a man, and he was the helicopter pilot who dropped the napalm bombs on her village. They met, really by chance, some 24 years later, uh, and this is how he described their encounter. She, she held out her arms to me and embraced me. And all I could say was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, over and over again. And at the same time, she was saying, it's all right, I forgive you. Now, not all of our life stories have that kind of happy ending do they but but this story inspired me to keep going at a time when i wanted to give up 
Unlike most healing journeys, mine wasn't straightforward and he never did have a happy ending because little in life ever does, really, does it? But it was real and it keeps evolving and it, and it still does. Marina Cantacuzino, uh, the Forgiveness Project's founder, writes, and I, I included this quote on the front of the Order of Service sheet because I think it's one that I have to keep reminding myself. She writes, all too often we sanitize and we simplify forgiveness when in fact it's an arduous, exhausting task. It's messy, it's risky, and it's unpredictable. And of course, life itself is messy, risky, and unpredictable, isn't it? And, and when one person makes a brave step, well, it might just change everything for people around them as well as for themselves. The desire, the desire for vengeance when we've been hurt is entirely understandable to me. But, you know, I'm forever grateful for those who set an example for me to follow and to the Forgiveness Project, which taught me that that forgiveness is the principal decision to give up your justified right for revenge. May that be so. Amen. If we have any hope of transforming the world and changing ourselves, we must be bold enough to step into our discomfort brave enough to be clumsy there, loving enough to forgive ourselves and others. And so may we, as a people of faith, be granted the strength to be so bold, so brave and so loving. Amen. Amen. Go well and blessed be.